Volume 6, Issue 267, Mad Max. You can play along with Volume 6. The entire schedule up to and including Issue 300 can be found on the Kane and Rinse website. For those of you looking into the near future, the next five issues we'll be covering are Flashback, Perfect Dark, Tetris, Double Dragon and Tales of Vesperia. Head to KaneandRinse.com for articles, features, reviews and links to our forum, Facebook page and YouTube channel. If you enjoy what we do, there are a number of ways which you can support us. We have a Patreon, but there's no hidden content behind paywalls or anything along those lines. If you don't wish or aren't able to contribute, everything that we produce will still be free and available to all. However, if you do believe that the many hours of podcasts that we produce for your listening pleasure are worth something in financial return, you can now donate $1 or more if you wish per month to help us keep doing what we do. If you prefer something more tangible in return for your hard-earned cash, check out our shop where you can support the podcast by purchasing Kane and Rinse t-shirts and bags and each purchase nets us a couple of quid. Please also check out the rather excellent Sound of Play um, podcast we do, which is basically based around video game music. And of course, please review, rate and subscribe to both our podcasts on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn or wherever you get to your podcasts from these days. So, joining me, Tony Atkins, in issue 267 are Jay Taylor. Hello. Uh, Sean Bell. You're right. And a new voice to the show, Mark Delaney. Hello. Right, so Mad Max, um, developed by Avalanche Studios. Yes, them of the Just Calls fame. Um, published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Director was Frank Rook. Writer. Odd Algren. Uh, it was released in September 2015 worldwide on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC platforms. It reviewed reasonably well. Um, 72 on Metacritic, 70 on Games Ranking. Hit uh, a user rating across both those sites around 7.7. So, 7 out of 10, should we say, <laughs> there or thereabouts. <laughs> um, I believe that's a decent rating. Um, others you might disagree, but you know it's around 7 mark or across the board. Uh, sales, 1.7 million. Um, once again, conversation we always have on the show. I'm not too sure if that's good or not anymore. Um, how long to beat? So the main story, around 20 hours-ish. Um, might be a little bit more depending, obviously, the sidetracked you get. Um, if you wish to do everything in the game, uh, you know, all hideouts, etc., which we'll talk about in a little while, um, probably around 60 to 70 hours. So a lot more bang for your buck if you want to uh, see everything the game has to offer. So development. Um, I'm going to run over just a little bit of development history and uh, cover a little bit of the plot before we jump into our own thoughts and the histories of the game. So development, uh, Avalanche started pre-production in mid-2011, along with actually George Miller, the series creator, to help out Penaplot. Uh, set for release in 2014 as a promotional tool to help drive interest in the forthcoming Mad Max Fury Road film, the game was never intended to be, part- to be a tie-in, but due to production delays, the game and film released just four months apart, with the film actually hitting first. <laughs> this, of course, caused some confusion, uh, but Warner Brothers Interactive believed that the standalone game was more beneficial to players than a play-the-movie-type style game after the success of its Batman Arkham series. So, let's find out how we all ended up on this issue. So, our histories. Um, Sean, how did you come across Mad Max? Were you excited for it before release? Was it just sneak up to you? Reviews, etc.? Um, I was kind of... like I'd, I'd seen trailers and stuff, and it looked fine. Um, 
and then saw Fury Road and it was incredible. Um, and then I was like, oh man, actually that game might be quite good. And then it came out and for some reason, um, and we'll probably hear more about this, it was like 12 quid on PC. I could <laughs> like not even, it wasn't even in a sale. It was just sites were just selling it really cheap for no discernible reason. So it seemed daft not to pick it up really. I was like, Do you know what? Like 12 pounds for a seven out of 10 set in a world that I know I, I am into can't be that bad, can it? Um, and yeah, ended up putting about 40, 50 hours into it. <laughs> I'm re- really quite surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, Jay? I guess I mainly came into this because I, I love the film. <laughs> pure and simple mm. i mean fury road is one you know probably the best film i saw in 2015 i absolutely adore it i think it's amazing mm-hmm. mm. but so a game based in that world was interesting to me the whole open world stuff interested me um i didn't pick this up day one i'd been interested in the game pre-release i'd seen i've been watching the trailers with interest the gameplay stuff i watched a twitch stream uh, from the developers where they were sort of showing off their gameplay. When the game came out, I'd, I ended up watching a lot of um, streamers playing it. But at the time, a certain other game by the name of Metal Gear Solid Five came out the same day <laughs> that this came out. And unbeknownst to me, my wife had ordered a copy of that game. And I was sort of dithering between like, which one do I want to play? What kind of mood am I in? And then lo and behold, Metal Gear drops through the letterbox. So that was me sorted for the next six weeks playing that. <laughs> and then after I finished that, I went into um, The Witcher at that point. And six months later. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So like, I ended up picking up Mad Max because I checked my trophies for this. And the first trophy that I got for it was on the 27th of December. So what I suspect is around about the Christmas of 2015, I'd, I'd finished The Witcher twice through at that point, and I was thinking, okay, I'll leave it a bit before I start a third playthrough. Um, and then I was looking for something to, to play, thinking like, what's what? And at the time, the PlayStation, as it often does, had a sale on, and this game, Mad Max, was on sale for twenty four ninety nine, And it was just, at that point, it just hit the right, you know, I thought, oh yeah, that's what I need to be playing. So that's when I picked it up, just in that little lull between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, that's where I came in on it. Uh, Mark? Uh, yeah, this game wasn't really on my radar, to be honest, when uh, when it first arrived, which is strange because third-person, often open-world, like action-adventure type games, that's like exactly what I like. Um, but this one, I just wasn't paying attention to it, I guess, because I've, I've actually never seen any of the movies that I know that now sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> for all of you who seem to like the movies at least um yeah and to this day i still haven't seen them but i was actually asked to review this game for a friend of a friend for his youtube channel so i did that he he'd sent me a, a ps4 copy like f- you know from pr from the publisher or whatever so i didn't have to pay for it which was nice at the time because I, I didn't even know how i felt about it and then you know not to reveal too much but as we'll get into uh a year, a year or so passed, and then I kind of wanted to go back to it, and I'm mostly an Xbox gamer anyways, so I ended up getting it for Xbox um, for about $25. Playing through it in full, again, um, on, on neither console did I do absolutely everything, but on both consoles did I do most everything. It's really interesting, actually, talking about how this was meant to come out before the film to, to, to drive sales for the film, if that makes sense. And actually, in the end, the film drives sales for this game in particular. And I think it's probably worked out better for the game than it would have done for the film, mm. um, seeing how the, uh, the game is kind of reviewed kind of in that middle in mark. 
But um, no, I was quite late to this. It's it's one of those games where I think a lot of us now like to look, watch broadcast, whether it be on Twitch or wherever it may be, the streaming service. And this was a game I just kept coming back to and watching people play. Hmm. And I knew the middling reviews, but everything I watched seemed to speak to me in a way that like, I, I just want to be playing this. I don't really want to, you know, I, I can't stop watching this, but I want to be the one controlling this. Um, and, mm. you know, be it in a sandstorm, be it, you know, going into some of the deeper, darker bunkers and stuff like that. And I could, even from the um, from the uh, broadcast, I could see the issues that some of the reviewers were picking out, but they didn't really jump off the screen at me to say, oh, no, don't buy this. So um, I did what, what pretty much everyone did here. I kind of waited a bit for a price drop <laughs> and, then, and then I brought it digitally for about £25, which seems to be that kind of okay mark you know it's you know brand new game day one has to be something that's really on your radar and i I have to say this wasn't really on my radar at all i remember it was at a sony press conference um at one of their e3 shows and yeah it was like okay yeah mad max but yeah mad Mad max between then and now obviously it's it's a big deal now and you know back then Mm -hmm. it's like okay i suppose that could work avalanche have, have moved away from um doing something basically within the just cause arena so okay that's fair enough be interesting to see that but it wasn't enough for i think a lot of people to to put down their money day one so that's why it's a perfect sale game i think for me um yes yeah, so a quick plot overview just to give uh, people that haven't actually played the, the game a general consensus of what we're talking about um so you max start out the game by being attacked by scabius scrutius yes the son of a mortal joe for people that have seen fury road which leads to you putting a chainsaw into his head Alas, this isn't enough to kill him, and your beloved V8 is taken. Right, yeah, no, bear with me. <laughs> Wandering around the desert, Max finds a hunchback mechanic uh, named Chumbucket, who tells Max that he can set him up with a new set of wheels so he can seek revenge and get his beloved V8 engine back. Running alongside this fairly basic plot is Max's own torment about the death of his wife and child, which is only highlighted more by the false relationship with a concubine named Hope, who also asked Max to find her daughter, Glory. So I'm going to kick off with a couple of pieces for him feedback just to, to get us in the right direction. So Good Shrewsbury said, I love a great story in games, and that was not Mad Max. However, I felt it was pretty fitting, serviceable story as far as Mad Max experience goes. I really enjoyed the collectible photos you could find strewn about the game world because unlike so many other games, they were a narrative device that told dozens of micro stories which helped paint a rough narrative of the downfall of Max's civilization. I think the NPCs were interesting and well-voiced acted and personally, I thought Chum Bucket was great. For me, though, the story was simply a device to allow the player to exist and affect this bleak world for an iconic character in fun ways. And it totally worked for me. Uh, Deadpool Negative said, I'm pretty down on the game story, though, although it has some merits. Why I appreciate the pared down Max just wants his car back plot. He often feels too much like a supporting player in his own story, which makes sense when you're watching the films, but feels off when you're actually playing him. There are some embarrassing cliched elements. Hope and Glory are well-acted characters, but their entire arc is painfully predictable and just makes Max as a character look foolish. One of the best parts of the story, however, is Chumbucket, the sad, mad hunchback who befriends Max and sees him as the man to drive his magnum opus. Chumbucket's idolisation of Max is a source of humour and tragedy, which makes the ending of the game all the more brutal. 
I should say spoilers actually here before I say the ending of the game. Spoilers, <laughs> you have been warned. Um, the only way Max can truly destroy Scrotus is by ramming his truck with the Opus. What the game does, switching to first person view to show Jumbucket begging the player not to destroy his life's work, but of course the only way to beat the game is to push down that right trigger. It's stuck with me for quite a while. So, one of the things I've heard quite a bit, um, the conversation on, on the internet, about this game is how it doesn't really fit within the you know the the Mad Max series of films, and hmm. I have to say I don't agree. I I think having watched them all back to back, I think the the Mad Max series of films is all over the place. Anyway, you have a fairly kind of serious hmm. original film, um, obviously very low budget, but it you know it keeps it kind of quite down, dirty and gritty. You know, featuring kind of rape and pillage and anger. Um, you know. You know, I'd call that that kind of seventies nasty a little bit. It's it's an interesting film. The Road Warrior is obviously when they they managed to get the budget from America and they up the ante. Uh, a lot more stunts, a lot more. Um, I would say fun in that kind of weird way, but it's a, it's a mm-hmm. bit less self serious. Um, still features rape and pillage and, and whatnot, but is a is a it's somewhat of a, a interesting ride. Um, Beyond Thunderdome is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's the only yeah. one I've not seen because that's the that's the exact kind of response I always get when people try and talk about it. So. Well, no, no, mm. It's it's I mean, it's the polar opposite of Mad Max, the first film. It's I mean there's still mm. violence, but very very go. It's it's rated a fifteen, but it it wouldn't yeah. be that now. Absolutely wouldn't be that now. It, it if even if it got a twelve, I'd be surprised with the way today's ratings work. Um, it, the, like the the reality is, these films are wildly inconsistent with one oh, they another. Are. Yeah. The thing with the game, the only thing that really pulled me out of it was the fact that Max has these big conversations with people, and if <laughs> in the one thing that is consistent with the films is he's is like Max is pretty monosyllabic on every, well, yeah. with the exception with the first film, perhaps with the first film, because he's got the family scenes, he's got the scenes with the other cops, you know, and that mm. sort of stuff. So Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, you know, like it's all looks it's, and grunts and, you know, one word answers and stuff. It's just, you know, it's, it's like he's not a, a conversationalist and, and especially in, in Fury Road. But in the yeah. game, he's like having these long conversations with Chumbucket in the back <laughs> of the car and stuff. And so what got- is interesting is the original Mad Max obviously is the death of Mad Max's family, which obviously yeah. makes him the Mad Max he is throughout the rest of the, the series of films. But actually, the Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome don't really delve particularly deep in, in that area. No. He's just continues yeah, to be mad. He doesn't seem particularly mad, does he? He's no. He's just a <laughs> um, pick- survivalist in those later films. He's just yeah. out to survive. And, and, and relatively speaking, he's basically a nice guy, you know. <laughs> in Fury Road, they, they re-pick up that thread and kind of run with it and, and focus a little bit on it, which is, is you know, mm. good for Fury Road. And actually, the mm-hmm. game does the same there. There's, there's some um, interest. It's the, the Griffer. Yeah. Mm who's a, a shaman type guy that can read into Max's thoughts and minds. And he talks a lot about the, the torment that Max has, has put himself under and the kind of the death and the killing and how, you know, does he actually enjoy it or is he just using it to master, mm. you know, the, the, essentially the fury and the hate that he has inside yeah. and built up from the death of his wife. And like that stuff. Mm actually is more Mad Max than pretty much anything in Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. It's the stuff that <laughs> makes me more interested in it. And so when I look at um, the game, I think it, it fits perfectly in the lexicon. I think mm. much like all of the films, it's taken elements from each one of those things. I think at the time mm. people were upset that it wasn't just a Fury Road game. Mm. And 
I think I understand that. And certainly as people we were coming off out of Fury Road after the game had, um, well, yeah, after the game had come out, wanting to play that game. But I think for me, it's probably a better game not focusing on just that one plot because, you know, that's that was one essentially one great big chase. Well, the truth um, is the world's more interesting than, than hmm. the plot sort of elements to it anyway. I mean, just setting a game in that world, in that environment was interesting enough for me. Um, hmm. I actually think that if they'd made it like a Fury Road adaptation, I wouldn't have been as interested in playing it because mm. you would feel it would have been a very, it would have had to have been a, a far more linear game just because mm. it, it has to follow the plot of the game. You, you follow the film. You can't go off and just take it in your own pace and go about the business as you choose to see fit as you can in this game, which was always the, the big draw for me was the open world, open structure to it where I can just go off and wander and explore and, see what the what the, they put in this this quite amazing sort of wasteland one thing regarding the movies and me having not seen any of them uh I, I found it interesting when i came into the game to find that the characters all spoke with like a certain like poetic nature is that sort of the flavor of the movies as well do they because it's sort of juxtaposed with that mm. with the environments you know it's it's like it's like borderlands like like chaos be- world <laughs> Yes and no. Like it's not in the first films, um, okay. but it's something that Beyond Thunderdome definitely picks up. There's a there's a there's a language that's kind of picked up after time. It's set a number of years after the original set of films. Mm-hmm. It's there in in Road Warrior to a point. Humongous has like a few speeches, and he has he a, does, a yeah. guy who comes up and does the speaking for him. That's got that sort <laughs> of flair as well. So. Yeah, I just it was so unexpected for me coming into it with with no experience with the with the property at all it was, it's almost like um the remake of uh romeo and juliet that takes place in the modern world you know yeah <laughs> yeah or yeah. it's it just seems so like incongruous to well i mean I, I think some of that's just the like a language that has developed over a period of time since civilization as they know it has has disappeared that mm-hmm. you know the borders of mm-hmm. of um accents is kind of like blended mm-hmm. in together and to make their own society and language so yeah, that, that's definitely there within films, but yeah, more in the later stuff. Because mm. in in the game, Max is the only one with an Australian accent, right? Because uh, the, the first film's well, ostensibly... Oh, yeah, Griffith as well. Yeah, Griffith's yeah, got yeah. a... Because yeah. um, the first film's ostensibly set in Australia, right? Yeah. And then after that, it's kind of, you know, certainly in the game, I don't know if this is mentioned explicitly in the films, but in the game, like, the, the seas have evaporated, so I guess mm. nations really don't... Like, everything's sort of blurred into one by this point, so... Mm. So what, what do we think of the overarching story? What do you What do you think of it? I mean, it's uh, it, yeah, it is just hmm. Max wants his car back, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, I mean, the stuff with hope and glory is quite lazy. Yeah, like I mean, I barely even remember them as characters. Like you say, it's like oh, you know, there's this <laughs> this woman that you have to save, and she's a concubine, and yeah. I mean, I, I, like it's like their only purpose is to sort of make max like a little bit human again but then be used as a tool to make him mad again at the end which like as far as max goes is like a you know that that's a fine little arc for him to go on but it's just a bit of a shame that hope and glory are just sort of used as a tool for that you know i think it's it's Um, it's compounded by how well fury road handled its female characters yeah and so you you watch like that and you see how like furiosa is kind of the print really to me the principal character in that film Mm. like yeah and yet mm-hmm. then this game comes along and it, it hits all the wrong notes with that stuff. Mm-hmm. For a story, I think it, it's barely serviceable. Like I think the, mm. the characters are kind of boring. 
And the idea that Scabius Grotus was like Immortan Joe's son, that just feels like, <laughs> oh, we've got to tie it into the film. Oh, well, oh, 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 oh there it is. He's, yeah. he's, that's his son. And it's just yeah. like, really? No, oh, come on, please. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it does seem like such a, a video game maneuver to make to, to well, it, a few things that it does that only video games do. It, it opens with a really long cutscene that's super stylish, but definitely mm-hmm. probably should have put us in in the driver's seat there well i guess you know i shouldn't say driver's seat because it's a driving scene that gets confusing <laughs> but um like that could have been a tutorial right there i don't know if you guys remember the opening scene um where he's mm. battling uh scrotus and he jumps onto the truck yeah. and they're, yeah. they're tearing apart like it was it was weird for me when i first sat down with it that we weren't allowed to participate in that element of it <laughs> mm-hmm. um but i will say and, and i agree that the story is it's it's there's not many layers to it at all but for some reason i felt like it was so fast to the end like that i don't even it was probably even less than just the fi- what you'd call the final act maybe just the last hour or so um mm. and i don't know maybe it's too early to get into the ending but some of the feedback I already did so i thought it'd be okay but i just thought um from basically from the moment when you when you have your fight with Stank um, through the end of the game, that's kind of where I started to really enjoy the game more than ever, even though by that point I'd, I'd put in like 50 hours or so. Up to that mm-hmm. point, I'd been sort of lukewarm, and I felt like a lot of the other reviewers and just the general buzz around the game felt, which was, you know, it, it had its ups and its downs. But for some reason, the last hour sticks with me, and, and you know, I agree. It's obvious that hope and glory are just there as analogs for his family that he lost previously, and and yeah. the just him wanting his car back. But we have another car because it's a video game, and we need a different car for the time being. Like that's that's weird. <laughs> but just I don't know for some reason that the last hour just totally stuck with me. I just I thought yeah, it was I... really stylishly done. Like mm. maybe maybe it's not such a, a huge credit to them to make really cool looking cutscenes, but you get the impression of some of this stuff is like retconned in at some point during the development they needed to tie it in more with the film. And so mm-hmm. you feel like, you know, character models got redone. Maybe some voice work was done to mention like war boys and stuff like that. So it ties mm. it in, but you do, I, there were times where I was wondering if, if Scabius Scrotus wasn't just some bad guy and then they just sort of retconned all the sort of connection with the film. Cause it feels that tenuous as well. You can't times. blame it's just, him for yeah. that. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's like why they, they started the game with a cutscene because maybe the, the, you know, the original vision didn't do that, but they couldn't really work it in. So they had to sort of, you know, give you this sort of extended sort of sequence at well, the start. You know, they've put 50 hours into this game. So um, trying to actually remember back um, the story, you know, fully all the way mm. through led me to, to rechecking it out on, on YouTube as a, you know, one of the, you know, the film of Mad Max, the game um, mm. story clocked in about an hour, which, mm. you know, when you, when you consider <laughs> over a 50 hour playthrough, like that's, that's, you know, a smattering at best. Um, it it makes does that include all the Griffer meetings as well? Um, no, I don't think, no, it didn't, no. I was going to say, they're, they're some of the best bits. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so well, I, I think those can't. are the bits where Griff is kind of lecturing Max about stuff. Yeah. It, they were quite interesting because they did something that none of the films have ever ventured into that sort of mm-hmm. area either. And that made it stand out to me because I, I liked what he was saying. It made a lot of sense. It was kind of mystic. But in it was the, in interesting the, that someone was challenging Max yeah. with his feelings. 
they they've mm. explored a little bit with that uh, within the films, but you know a film obviously has to get through its pace pretty damn quick. So the game has yeah. a little bit more time to to poke at Max and almost like poke a little bit of fun at him, even for for being the way yeah. he is. Mm. Which, um, you know, to, and to see his reaction, like no, you know, you've got it all wrong, and yet seemingly after your you know five hundredth you know scarab kill along the way like some of the words that he's telling you about the killing and oh, are you any better than them you're like yeah probably not like we've had this conversation about <laughs> about <laughs> because um, have you have any of you guys like seen the the final cutscene with griffa because that's really interesting basically he gets through to max like he, bra- mm. he breaks him down <laughs> so how do you end up with that uh, he basically um it's when you've unlocked all, like, yeah. when you've, like, fully maxed out all your stats. Yeah, and, I've so done that. <laughs> um, and sort of, Max just basically sort of stands next to Griffa, and Griffa says, like, it's good to see you, friend. And Max just says, you too. And it's like, oh, man. Mm. <laughs> like, Ma- like, like, even though he's, he's mm. a very chatty Max, as far as Mad Maxes go, um, yeah. that's, like, the first time he acknowledges someone as a mate, you know? <laughs> um, and, it, yeah, and Griffa, uh, Griffa says something like, you know, do you see what I'm trying to tell you now? And Max just Max just repeats that that line that Griffith says, you know, that which is broken can be mended by love only. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. And that like properly hit me for some reason. What I liked about um Griffith as well is that he seemed to have been modeled on like Bruce Spence, who played he's played a couple of characters in previous sort of Mad Max films. Mm-hmm. And and they, I like the way they'd done that. You know, it, it was it, I felt it was deliberate, you know, they'd clearly sort yeah. of modeled it on that character, but it was mm-hmm. like yeah. I have to say I'm pretty two-tone with the story. I think overall, overall, the actual delivered story isn't great. I think it's very cliched. And yeah, the hope and glory stuff, I appreciate it being in there, but it um, just the names themselves, it's so <laughs> obvious. It's so in your yeah. face. And... <laughs> You know, if you if you are you getting it, guys? Are you picking it up? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I really do understand. But I do think <laughs> even with that, it's a little ballsy that you know they you know they go out to the end and actually kill both of those characters. Yeah. Um, mm. And so yeah. you know, there, there was certainly an, an aspect of me as as the player being angry by those events. And but the, I mean, the, the final the final boss after the mm. the many hours of venturing the wasteland was so easy and so i yeah. <laughs> i don't want to get upset by an easy boss at the end but it's it's so anticlimactic it was um a shame mm. but what i think the game does really well um one of the correspondents already highlighted this mm. i think you know the game tells the story of the world fantastically um be it yeah. through mm. little pieces of scenery um, and landscape that has been broken by you know the period of time little bit of mementos that have been left in encampments of people just trying to survive the wilderness little memos and notes that um you know people have written to their loved ones or talked about the uh, the collapse of society and and their place within that and there's just the the, the grip of just trying to to make something mm. out of nothing um yeah you know, that stuff's fascinating but hidden away if you don't go looking for it which is always frustrating yeah. and weird in games <laughs> what I, I really liked about the yeah you know the, the little photographs and stuff is is the way max reacts to them and it yeah. sort of it, it adds to this thing i think griffith sort of mentions this is that like the reason max is having such a hard time is he hasn't actually like fully given in to the way the world is now like he's still anchored in the past a little bit mm. and like and he sees these pictures you know and like he'll see a picture of someone with a pet dog and he's like yeah we, we, we used to not eat them um, <laughs> and he it's like he, he it's because he's still holding on to that that the old world a little bit whereas pretty much everyone else there seems to be this huge like collective amnesia even though 
you know, the world as we mm. know it now can only be sort of 20, 30 years ago if that everyone else seems to have just let it go, you know, and just accepts the way things are, whereas Max is still sort of stuck in the past a little bit. I just feel like the, the story of him just wanting his, his V8 back, like it just wasn't enough as a driving force, certainly when the Maximum Opus is... A fantastic Better. vehicle. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That yeah. Does I mean, he's like just Max about is, everything. because <laughs> Max's whole thing is it's not necessarily about the car, is it? It's just he wants to cross the plains of silence. Which I mean, it's never really made clear what that means. And uh, from what Griffith says, I think he basically just you know he's like he's talking nonsense. There's no such thing. Mm. If the, you know if there's any such thing as a plane plane of silence, you're already on it, mate. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. um, but Max, he sort of implies. Like basically, it's a place he can. He thinks he can reach where he, you know, his own head will be quiet. Basically, like he's like he won't mm-hmm. be tormented by the you know visions of his his family and stuff anymore. Um, which yeah, basically, just he just wants a really fast car so he can just get away from everything, and that's kind of it. Which yeah. Yeah, is fine, I guess. So, does anyone have anything to say about any of the supporting characters that we we meet throughout the world? So, like Jet, Gutgash, and Pinkai. They, they kind of, I, I don't know. They're just a. A vessel for you to do um, small jobs throughout the, uh, um, the yeah. wasteland, surely, aren't they? Um, there was a good, there was a good piece on, I think it was on Polygon um, about them, um, just saying it's really cool that actually um, they're all sort of less able in one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. So Jeet has, is it like I think he's got like really bad burns, and he sort of manages, like he yeah. sort of manages his pain by basically putting um, loads of. Uh, screws like metal and in his face metal, yeah. <laughs> um and then you know uh Gotgash has is he missing a leg or is he i know he has a walking stick he's got a bad leg anyway um and then um uh, pink eyes a wheelchair user but mm. but these people are all leaders like and everyone looks up to them mm. um which i thought was was a, a nice touch um but it's weirdly at odds with the fact that uh chum bucket who's like this master mechanic just gets treated like crap throughout and like like is mostly just referred to as the hunchback which is like a really derogatory mm. term for someone who you know has, has, you know spinal conditions um which is just really odd but i i, I think it is just a, that was maybe just a, a genuine blind spot on the part of the the writer in that you know because obviously the rest of the game sort of goes out of its way to sort of champion people who are less able in one way or another mm. whereas chum just everyone's just horrible to him <laughs> and um i don't know i thought it was really strange i think with all three of those um the sort of settlement leaders you know looking back on it now even though i've played the game twice i don't remember much about any of them other than how jeets is very loud and, and high-pitched because uh it, well i think <laughs> that it's because to my remembering i i don't think we ever see them outside of their like you know thrones over there like settlements no. you know so they just mm-hmm. i don't know t- to me they just sort of feel like vessels through which we acquire side missions and mm. you know we're sent well, up also everyone. there's not a complete narrative to any of them like they've all got these goals that they want to achieve and and you can spend all the money you want you know improving their lives within inside their bases but like that their the lines of dialogue don't really change there's no kind of final mm. you know yes i've achieved what you've well done yeah mm-hmm. now let's move on it's it's all just <laughs> you know can you go get that and that'll be cool i mean I, I like pink eyes you know the reasons for what she wants is to move from the silo that she sets she set up on the like a yeah. sailing machine hmm. across to once again go across the open plains um and I like that's that seems a bit better than just I'm trying to build a stronghold like she's she's trying to find a way to take her people away from this area so that's the one yeah. that probably I like most as a, a narrative you know driving point yeah. but yeah someone like 
GT, it just seemed like, okay, well, this is a great place to kind of come back. And these are the bases that eventually you, you come back and you can refuel your, you know, you refuel, restock ammo, restock water, um, health, etc. So it's, it's worth your time to upgrade these bases. But yeah, I, I never really, you know, particularly fell in, uh, well, I say fell in love, but had a great interest about any one of their, one particular story. Has anybody ever gone back to that area once you've done the sail, you know, where you take the sail ship or whatever they call it to that mm. point on the map? I don't know if I have. So if you go back there, there's a there's a, one of those kind of really odd little uh, wasteland missions that comes up. And there's a guy, mm. one guy standing there on his own and you go up and speak to him and it turns out that he missed the boat <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> you might as well kill me because I'm, 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 this is it for me. I've missed, I've missed my chance. You know, they've gone without me and left me. <laughs> and so then the, the mission is like, do you, you can either just walk away, get in your car and drive off, or you can just shoot him and take his loads of, he's got loads of scrap, which he tells you, he says, you know, I've got all this mm-hmm. scrap with me. It's yours. Just kill me. I can't go on like this. So I, I mean, you know, I did the guy a favor. I wasted one shotgun shell, admittedly, but you know, I could have just <laughs> stabbed him or something, I guess. But I'll beat him up. But it's, there's some of the little stuff that comes up like that was more interesting yeah. than the sort of like the default sort of narrative yeah, missions, if you will. That, that was also you, you meet what they call wanderers in the world, and essentially they're yeah. just once again another little marker. Some just tell you there's a base over there then here's a way in some will tell you you know other resources that you can make for the environment mm. but there are a few who are like you know i want if you can shut down these valves you'll shut down you know a, a production factory over there which will help us escape out here and yeah that those mm. you know they're hit they're very hit and miss you never know quite know what you're going to come across or even people wandering across the wasteland that you can offer them um uh, some of your water um, no. I was you know, going to so, say, I, I really like, I mean, it, it loses its effect when you've seen it 15 times, but yeah. I really like that little cutscene that plays just the, the way he holds his, yeah. his little canteen out and they, they literally don't even understand what he's <laughs> yeah. doing. He has, <laughs> so he has to like, take the lid off and show it again <laughs> yeah. because like, you know, the, the idea of mm. just kindness is gone. Like <laughs> people don't yeah. understand it anymore. As strange as um, it was, it was only on the second playthrough of this game that I actually realized mm. that if you do that and then go to the map screen, there's mm. there's a location will appear on your map, but they don't tell oh, right. you this. So it's like okay, because I I stopped giving them water after a while because I thought why the f- do I care? Because they're not doing anything. <laughs> so I just drive past and like yeah, dicks, see ya. <laughs> but it's like, but then the second playthrough, I thought you know what, mate, I, I don't know why I, I took notice. I think I I checked the map to see where I was, and straight away mm-hmm. the map sort of follow you know it will automatically move to a new lot you see this location and you see it flash and appear and i was like ah okay that's really not very well translated in terms of gameplay <laughs> didn't like second playthrough and now i realize what this is about so it's like okay we've not mentioned um there is a, a fourth settlement isn't there but it's really not well utilized at all it's the the sort of the church where they all worship fire yeah um, which is run by yeah. a guy called deep fryer as in yeah. fr yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though i don't think this is the certainly not the greatest story i've ever played in any game but um <laughs> i don't think it's a hundred percent at odds with the films no, as a whole no, i think it, no, it all, fits no. in there if if in some respects it's actually stronger than most of the films um in other respects you know fury road exists so it, it's hard for, for it to be the best but there's certainly elements that i enjoyed in this game more than i enjoyed in in you know the first three films so mm-hmm. uh, it's not without merit and i think you know to say that oh it doesn't really belong as a story within that franchise i i think is actually just wrong 
Well, let's move on to the visuals, which I'm sure many of us probably think are the standout element of this game anyway. So some more cores, uh, correspondence from the forum. Jakob G42 says, Mad Max has some brilliant eye candy with one of the most striking desert worlds I've seen. The lighting, the gentle rolls of the dunes, that huge open sky all contribute to a world that feels like Max's. It's an absolute triumph of art direction. And when those sandstorms roll in, whew, Matt Scat, the world design is something that really impressed me. When I heard this game was going to be all deserts, I expected copy and paste zones with little else going on. I was so wrong. The creativity of the world designers was through the roof. We have huge Sahara-like dunes, grand canyons, tar pits, and colourful sulphur hot springs. Sand lurches from underneath your tyres, and you see huge dust clouds where the enemy's convoys are. Also seeing a sandstorm coming your way and finally hitting you is a real tense moment. Shrewsbury said, I've never seen a desert in a video game this diverse and well-crafted. There are inevitable comparisons with Metal Gear Solid V's open-world desert, and for me, Mad Max puts it to shame. From the continental shelf to the inland desert to the lovely skybox, I marvelled at the environmental design of Mad Max's world. Painted over the level design was a fantastic, believable, post-apocalyptic aesthetic. Drinking in the spectacle of top dogs and NPC bases was simply awesome. The size and scale of the deteriorating drill rig, a ruined wind farm, a battered nuclear cooling silo, or a large stranded tanker, all of which house a powerful leader in this forsaken world, was really impressive design. I paused dozens of times traversing the world to enter photo mode, marvelling at the sunset or stare at a bellowing smoke of Gastown on the horizon. I truly think it's one of the prettiest open world games I've ever seen. Uh, I'd be yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with yeah, that. Uh, um, I, I, and certainly initially, I probably spent more time in photo mode than mm. actually playing yeah, the thing. That's what um, I was going to say. Tells you really, but right really now. enjoyed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I also really like you know they talk about the um, sort of even though it is it's all desert, there is like a lot of diversity in there. Um, I went yeah. on a, a rant on Twitter when I spotted this thing about the road design. Um, I think you guys, I think we talked about this on Twitter mm. at the time, but. So the whole first section of the game is in the Great White, which you, you learn is is a dried up seabed. Mm. And, you know, and you get and then sort of halfway through the game, you, you go through um, this huge gate and and sort of as you, you know, you're driving sort of uphill and you realize like it's a dock. It's, it was obviously just like a port town at, at some point. Um, and then suddenly you're driving around and you can see like actual tarmac roads and they're, they're pretty knackered, but, you know, you can tell yeah. they used to be there. And there's like, you know, and there's sort of broken... Um, you know, street lights and sort of ruined, like recognizable buildings, not just things, you know, cobbled yeah. together with bits of scrap metal and stuff. And you're like, yeah, like, oh my God, I'm I'm above ground now. And if you look at the map, um, you can see how like, like the layout of the roads when you're in the, you know, the above ground section of the map is there's all right angles and there's, you know, because mm. it's all, you know, roads are designed around sort of man-made infrastructure. Whereas the roads in the Great White in the first section are all just they're essentially you know desire paths you know when like you say when it cracks, snows and yeah. sort of suddenly there's all the, yeah there's yeah. like all these new paths sort of form everywhere because people just sort of you know find the most efficient way of of getting through an area based on the lay of the land and stuff and that's what all the roads are like in the great white they're all sort of smoothed off and rounded and that's because yeah because there's there's no infrastructure there's no highway code to adhere to it's mm. just just like a you know a lumpy landscape and people are just sort of finding the most efficient way around it i just thought that was a, a really nice design touch like they obviously just thought about how these spaces would be used yeah by, and then, you know, the inhabitants and then to and follow stuff. that narrative you've got the dead barons is kind of more of a hilly kind of mountainous 
area. Um, yeah, yeah. That there's a dunes region, which is once again more sand, but you know more up and down sand dunes, which are, are quite hard mm. to navigate in in your car. And then you got uh, yeah, Gastown yeah. itself, which one of my favourite bits is it's it's surrounded by um, a massive dump. Yeah, clearly, like this is the point of civilization, the big point of civilization, and where best to throw your rubbish, and just outside the gates, and it's spewed further and further into the uh, the dunes regions, and it's a nightmare to mm-hmm. get around because everything's just mm. you know there in your way. You have to kind of climb over sections of rub- rubbish, you know, hitting your boost all the time yeah. just to kind of if you don't go across yeah. the main <laughs> the main road through, it's a it's a real hard place mm. to to navigate around. Of all my time in the game, the world resonated with me as a player. If you know. Photo mode every sort of five minutes. Oh, 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 we'll take a picture of that. Like, you know, I'm trying to get the best angle. You know, I, at the beginning of the generation, I thought photo mode was going to be a bigger deal because we saw it in a few early games. Mm. And now it's, it's not, it's unfortunately, it's not utilized as much as I was hoping and expecting. But I can, without putting a number on it, because I wouldn't know what it would be, I, I know for sure I've never spent more time in any game's photo mode than Mad Max is. I, I've, <laughs> I've sort of jokingly, but it, you know, it's it's probably true too, compared to some other games similar to Mad Max that I've tried and and eventually ditched because I wasn't into it. I've, I've I've certainly put more time into photo mode on Mad Max alone than than some other just true open world games that didn't catch me but and yet i'm yeah. just like mm. s- sitting in the essentially the menus of mad max oftentimes <laughs> well i love i love photo mode and i think when it fails it's not the fault of it being in the game i think sometimes but i think the fault lies with the developers and the publishers because what, what i've seen recently is photo mode when it's capitalized or uh, so by the devs themselves and they're retweeting and they're reposting people's photographs, it encourages people to get on it and, and to do more and to try and, you know, everybody's taking, like you've seen it recently with the most recent game was Horizon Zero Dawn and Gorilla have never mm-hmm. stopped tweeting this stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm always amazed by the sh- some of the shots that people get and i'm like how did they manage that you know it's like it's amazing i mean i'm i love it in a game i it's always a draw for me if you know be it like the last of us the order anything with a photo mode and it's like i'm gonna spend several hours even if the game doesn't quite gel you know it's just if i can Mm. dick around and take pictures i'm i'm happy um well some games just aren't interesting enough to have a photo mode surely i don't know truthfully you know, uh, I've yeah, even, yeah. like recent, recently I've even put No Man's Sky in because they added a photo mode. And it's like, oh, now, now the game's interesting to me. Okay, you know, well, well, just, I'll, I'll rephrase it. I think some games lend themselves better. It, for instance, about Max, definitely. you know, cresting over a top of the hill on a sunset, it's very hard not just to stop and stare, even if but you're I in mid-mission. But I think with this generation of games, with games as good-looking as they are, with engines as impressive as they are, and... It, with Mad Max in particular, with explosions as beautiful as these <laughs> do on this game, I want to take pictures all the time. And it's a nightmare trying to get that that precise time shot where just as the best part of the explosion is happening, you know, the amount of times I've been like <laughs> looking for something yeah. to blow up just to try and get that perfect shot of an explosion. The the wasteland themselves, I actually think they they've done quite a good trick because it's it's a big old map. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know how long it'd take to drive from one end to the other, to, but you're you're looking probably fifteen minutes, maybe. Um, Easily, yeah, yeah maybe a bit more. But um, so, but by making it that size and not just sprawling, sprawling like oh god, it will take forever. Like there, there is an inherent 
want to do fast travel in this because if you're just trying to get from one area to the other sometimes it's just a lot easier than worrying about going through the uh, the jaws of the gate mm. and avoiding all the wall section um but quite often i found myself like okay now i'll drive it there, there'll be you know half a dozen things to do en route that i can achieve mm. going over there and i found myself you know building knowledge of the road the areas the places where i could go the stuff that i've already seen and the bases that i i needed to get to but just haven't been to yet and i think it it does a good job of making uh, the use of less is more. So, you know, there, there would be an easy temptation for, you know, the Great White to have, you know, 15, 20 broken ships. But it doesn't. Like, there's there's three or four. Mm. And, you know, they stand out because of that. It's like, oh, you come across, you know, they're driving in a car, you're going pretty fast, so it's easy to, to traverse a big chunk of the map anyway. So just coming across these things, they always feel like somewhat of a surprise. Like, oh, God, yeah, no, there's great big ship there. Wow. And then you come across, mm. you know, statues out of the ground. And yeah, obvious stuff that you would expect of an apocalyptic world thereafter. But it's it's always slightly effective. I think the sand works really well because it's that, you know, clearly the top half of a suspension bridge. But, you know, the, yeah. the lower half's completely gone. And you're just seeing the, the very, you know, the bit that would have been, you know, 200 foot off the ground that has you know, all but been mm. buried. And it, and it plays with that kind of visual style, uh, you know, really well. Sorry, I just wanted to comment one on one more part of the environment. Um, I don't, again, not knowing the movies, maybe this uh, fits right in, but in similar to how the poeticism of their manner of speaking kind of stuck out at me, so, so too did the... Uh, the hot air balloons, those, they just seem mm-hmm. so out of place, but, but as sort of antiquated, really. Yeah. Like, like yeah. they, they, I don't know. I guess I, again, I didn't expect them there, but then it just adds to the overall style of it. And, you know, it, you know, maybe they were implemented poorly in terms of the gameplay, which we'll get into, but cause it does, it does take like 30 <laughs> seconds to get up to the top. But, um, I, I don't know. And I, you know, sometimes even my photo mode, I would just take like, pictures of max in the hot air balloon i just thought just just <laughs> just as an aesthetic addition to the game like knowing that there's just hot air balloons amid this world of like chaos and like oh. oil and blood and like mm. just i don't know just hot because hot air, i don't know maybe it's just like my fiance loves hot air balloons like it's sort of like an artistic like uh beacon that she returns to a lot whether she's drawing mm. or collecting art for our house or whatever but um actually she even has a tattoo of one um so for me, like I don't know, I just associate hot air balloons with with something other than the wasteland of Mad Max, and it was it's just they just stuck out in a really stylish way for me that I, I don't. But are they in the movies? I don't know. So no, no, no. not at all. It's <laughs> once again, it, it's weird comparing this with with the movies because the movies themselves are, are quite different. Like the, yeah. the first Mad Max isn't set in any kind of post-apocalypse world; it's just set in the the, mm. the normal day at that point. Um, and it mm. it you know as the movies progress further, the world generally deteriorates up to the point really I, I think if you saw the game as the fifth film it would be its ultimate you know conclusion like that the world's gone to ruins and not just mm. small settlements like um the thunderdome area uh have you know appeared it's like places like gastown and massive settlements um have appeared and it feels like yeah this would be the kind of the fifth fifth line of the films where society has completely just gone back to to ruins but they're starting to kind of rebuild um, out of the uh, you know, out of the the mess. So a couple of areas I really want to talk and, and pick apart uh, within the the wasteland um, that really stuck up for me. One was the airport. Mm. Obviously, mm. yeah, we can all imagine that. But one of the, the 
the great things about the airport is that it's buried underground. So, you know, we've all been in airports. We've all been in their big kind of open lounges and, and, and understand like the escalators and stuff. Um, and there's a fantastic section in this game where you kind of just disappear into this little hole in the ground. And you have this massive um, airport structure just buried and there's bits of sand coming through the ceiling and whatnot. And half it's buried, but half it's not. But the whole time it feels like the thing is under immense pressure from the earth above that it's going to collapse at any mm. time. And it's really foreboding. Of course, there's there's skags and things down there that are, mm. are out to kill you because why wouldn't there be? Um, but it's got a fantastic sense of um, you know, pressure. Like the audio down there is one of the highlights of the game. It feels really foreboding mm. uh, even without creatures around there um really i just love that idea of being in the kind of the hot blazing sunshine and going into a a very dark place where no natural light can penetrate at all other than the matches torch um really good and, and and interesting um to go alongside that um and this is one of the things that really drew me into this game when i was watching people broadcast it i loved how you would go into a settlement like and certainly when it, whether it was underground and you'd come back out and you'd almost have that, you know, 4K HDR effect that, you know, isn't implemented in this game, but you can see where it would be. That kind of mm. blinding of light, you know, coming from the darkness below up into the in, into the open world and mm. like that searing mm. of your eyes, your reticles being completely burnt out <laughs> your skull from not seeing it before. I love that. And that's always, to me, implemented at its best is when a sandstorm comes across the Great Plains. Um, yeah. People that haven't played this game, you know, I'm sure probably would have heard people talking about the storms in Mad Max because, yeah, they are, certainly if you play the game, they are really cool. They come, you're generally, uh, you know, if you're in the, the Great White, you generally see them rolling across the mountains. They they will give you a fair warning that they're coming. But you can't do anything really in, inside them there. They're blowing as max. You can get blown around them. They, they always tell you to, to, to find shelter. If, you, if you're in your car, they generally take a lot of debris and a lot of hitting great thing about that is also enemies take a lot of debris and a lot of hitting so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can you can be chasing a convoy and uh, it hit and just see the convoy ripped apart and doing the job for you um but uh yeah so some really once again the sound sound design in that is absolutely you know yeah, phenomenal incredible. um mm. so yeah they're, they're two points that i really picked up from this game and really loved How about you guys so i'm guessing a rough time i probably put in over 100 hours on this game because i've done two playthroughs where i've tried to do everything mm -hmm. that's on there and mm -hmm. by i know by the second playthrough when you would when you'd hear chum bucket sort of give you the warning because he, he that's something that i also liked about the game is the way that he's kind of the audio cue for a lot of stuff like he'll yeah, shout stuff and, yeah, yeah and um, yeah. say you know ah, oh, sounds you know give you a heads up unless of course you're facing it in which case you can see this huge like cloud base <laughs> moving in towards you in which case then it was like oh no it wasn't it was shelter and then you're quickly bringing up the you know trying to find oh where is it oh it's right over there damn it and then it's this mad panicked driving and boosting trying to get trying to beat it to get somewhere safe because yeah. they are horrendous to be caught in um mm. but yeah it was just by the time he got to the second point i was like oh not again <laughs> but it's just <laughs> yeah, very rewarding too with the with the loot oh yeah yeah um, i was gonna say it's, it's crucial the way that they like you know it's not just that a switch flicks somewhere and now you are in a storm it's the way that you can see it coming mm. like is really important and i'm so glad they implemented that because like you say it leads to these situations where you're like 
right, well, I can drive off in this direction and I might mm. be able to get to safety before yeah, it they're hits ju- me. They're just long enough um, where they're a pain as well, aren't they? They're, just, they're like, oh, it'll be over yeah. in two minutes. It's <laughs> like, oh, it goes on for about 10 minutes. Damn. Well, no, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing because it's always that, that. I think that's what started to do my head in by the end of it was that if you're still, if you're stuck in it, it doesn't like, seem to stop. You can't fast stop. travel either. Can you can't yeah. get out. You just have yeah. to sit, sit yeah. tight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Game I, it was always trying to find like a tent or something to get in just because <laughs> once you're inside, even if it's like an open air base, you know, with just tents in there, it, it, at that point it seems to settle. But if you're just mm. out there in it, like you said, you can be there for 10 <laughs> minutes or something. You're thinking, is this ever going to end? Like, balloon. like <laughs> yeah. I had an amazing one once where I'd just uh, taken out like three enemy vehicles and then the storm hit and my car was like destroyed and it, you know, mm. it sets on fire and you have to get out for a minute while <laughs> John sorts it out. Um, and, but, like, but it kept getting hit by debris from the storm. <laughs> so I was like basically scrambling around in this storm just like, um basically getting these three enemy vehicles that i just killed the drivers and basically trying to form like a blockade <laughs> so that chum so so could repair my car that was amazing like that, that was so cool you know you you can sometimes when you seek refuge in some sort of structure it can provide that for you but i there were times when i would be making my way through a settlement like overtaking it from the war boys or or any of those factions and um and we would get a storm coming through there. Did that ever happen to you guys? That wasn't a bug, right? Like I was, I was supposed to occasionally get those in the settlement. I mean, I think yeah, yeah that yeah. was. Cool. I think they're random. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're. Um, you know, maybe there's one that's scripted at the beginning to introduce it, but even then, I'm not sure. But yeah, I did. I think yeah, I think the one near the start is scripted, but yeah, they can they can happen. Yeah, whenever, it was really cool yeah, think... to to have you know be in the middle of melee combat. With all these enemies, and you've got the yeah. guy hanging from a top he, who's like chanting and, and hyping up his his um, his <laughs> gang mates, or I don't know. Oh, the war cry. Yeah, I, yeah, the yeah, war yeah. criers were kind of cool because it's just especially if you could take them out before you get to the base with a sniper rifle from a mm. distance. That was even cooler. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you know what? But they're also good if you take out the gang and just leave him behind <laughs> and start basically yeah. like bargaining for his. Yeah. Have you ever listened to the conversation when he's just there hanging on his own after everybody's been yeah, beaten yeah. down and he's just like oh well what do i do now yeah. uh, you're looking for a war cry or something yeah he's like i, I then, didn't mean you know, any of that stuff you know that right like he's kind of like pleading yeah. <laughs> um also i love the color palette um mm. it's mm. it's hard to make desert interesting other than obviously we're talking about structures and whatnot but um yeah it's it's got that kind of sun bleached color palette in the in the very high today down to the night sky rolling in and that you know the deep oranges um, the, you know, the sun kind of glazing over the top of the dunes and stuff. Really, really, mm. you know, great use of, of color and design in that. And, you know, sunsets look spectacular as, as do the, you know, the nighttime. It completely changes the feel and look of the entirety of the environment, mm. uh, even though it's very much the same place. So when you get to Gastown and there's all the like mad, like neon lights everywhere. Yeah. Um, and like somehow that's like, even, even though the game does a lot sort of palette wise considering it's just in deserts and stuff like when you get there and there's all yeah these sort of bright neon signs everywhere it's like whoa (laughs) like it's it's really striking i also love when you come across the uh, like the oil slicks within the environment it reminds me very Mm. much of the fury road you know desert that um or the 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 plains that have been returned back to mud um you know coming across the oil slicks and and getting you know yourself stuck in one of those just trying to boost your your way out is is really dramatic as well i think he was one of the guys on polygon was saying that every location uh felt identical and bland environments 
the discouraged mm. exploration, which I couldn't disagree more with that, to be honest. I, I yeah. Like one thing that really, another thing, one of many things that stood out to me was that every time you go to one of these camps, whilst you would see the reuse of certain assets, like tents would be the same or similar. Mm. They never, mm. never once did the base feel like copy and paste, drop it over there and put another one over there. Mm-hmm. They all felt different. Mm. Every single one. Some were yeah, smaller yeah. than others. Some were literally just a, a, a sofa with a, a skeleton <laughs> yeah. on, and that was that, <laughs> and some scrap next to it, and a book or a note saying, you know, goodbye, cruel world, or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they were so yeah. labyrinthine that they were actually uh, frustrating yeah. when you're searching for all the scrap in each one. Yeah. And- it's like, how do I get to, yeah. you know, I can see that it says it's here on the map, but it's not. So it's yeah. below me, I guess. So I don't know how to get there. Like that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. I've hundred percented that stuff. Cause I'm, I'm just, that's, that, <laughs> that pushes that OCD button. Like, I can see it. It's there. It's somewhere around here. And yeah. you know, like I'd be sitting around walking in circles for 20 minutes trying to figure out where it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, that's, but, surely, I mean, that's where yeah. opening world games are at the best, right? It's when they, when they click and you're willing to, search every single item within the map just trying to find that location it's yeah it's it's how you put 60 70 100 hours into these games the thing is like every open world's different and i think there's no kind of magic formula for this stuff but for me for me personally it's always about the the detail that they invest in the world so it's all those little things it's i i, I always get a real buzz out of that sense of exploration you know, it was the same with The Witcher, you know, it's like, mm. uh, ignore everything, just go off and wander in that direction and see what happens and, and stuff off and wood. And this had a similar kind of thing where, you know, you'd just be riding around and then you'd see a smoke cloud and you'd, you'd see a, 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 a little camp or an encampment somewhere. And then, you know, yeah, there's another one. Let's a go one, and see what these guys do. one man's get. mission to destroy everybody and everything in the world for scrap. <laughs> well, it, the, well, the thing is, like to me, the, like that ties into the game because you've got to, you've got to uh, do the uh, well. What's it called in the game where you're basically reducing their the threat level here? Yeah. Threat level. The threat levels. Yeah, yeah. So you know, taking down the scarecrows and all that kind of stuff. I, I like games where you've, you like games like Crackdown. You know how it used to change the environment as you would clear out the gangs and stuff. I, mm. I get a buzz out of that. That's another draw for you know. It gives you a sense that what you're doing in the world, you're accomplishing something, even if it is yeah. a, a lot of repeated tasks in terms of like you know the camps themselves may have been different, but what you did in them was always the same. Beat everybody up, shoot them, stab them, whatever and then basically collect all the scrap. The, the, having that sense of it having an impact, you know, that the, the color would change slightly on the map, you know, every time you look at it, you know, after you've reduced the threat level and stuff, that it would, you'd start feeling like you're having an impact. So let's move on to what you actually do in these wastelands. Well, Papa Jupe 13 from the forum had this to say. In baseball, there's a term called meatball. A meatball is a perfect pitch right down the middle that is an easy hit for a home run. Mad Max should have been a meatball. Instead, it's the laziest game I've ever played in my life. They basically took the Assassin's Creed, Mordor, Arkham model and slapped a coat of Mad Max's paint on it. All games can feel repetitive, but it is compounded with Mad Max by the fact that we have already done all of this over and over before, countless times in better games. To that point, good Shrewsbury said, Apart from the general design motif of the game, most other elements were merely adequate. When I could tear myself away from the gorgeous vistas and actually play the game, I generally enjoyed it, but I never found myself screaming in 
elation at the combat encounters. I had fun with the Arkham-like combat and appreciated the variety of enemy types along with the grunts. However, the larger enemies, including the top dog boss battles, were brutally repetitive. On the Shadow of Mordor show, Carl said, Mad Max would have benefited from the Nemesis system, and I couldn't agree more. If this game world was littered with the spectrum of procedurally generated mini-bosses a la Mordor, I think Mad Max would have been up there with an absolute classic. I enjoyed Shadow of Mordor, but I preferred Mad Max in almost every way other than the throwaway boss battles, so having unique faction bosses held up at their own fortresses would have been a blast to tackle as Max. And finally, Mark Hogg said, Yes, Mad Max can be woefully repetitive. Its story is about as thin as a sheet of paper, uh, and the ways of unlocking areas and or missions feel silly and outdated. You need level 3 tyres before you can try to rescue this person in grave danger, so go do a bunch of side missions first. Yet, yeah, I terribly enjoyed clearing up enemy camps in Arkham-style fashion, stringing melee combos together and blowing up fuel supplies. I love getting into car chases, in first person, trying hard to avoid the exploding cars and soaring past me left and right. Uh, and when all the punch and crunch violent got a bit overwhelming, I'd just stand somewhere pretty and fall about with the photo mode. <laughs> no, Mad Max might not be a masterpiece, but I'll remember this game for its meaty sound design, desolate visuals, and explosive action. So, my question to you is, how do we feel about the way the game kind of holds its content behind locks um, of you know, lowering the areas, up car upgrades. Um, I've particularly heard, I think a number of reviewers at the time were quite upset by the fact that they get about 12 to 15 hours in and then get told they need to do a bunch of side missions before <laughs> they can actually see the back end of the game. That's the way I always felt anyway, that you know the game mm. kind of shows its last hand and then says, well, no, yeah, you, know, you you need to mop up a bit more on the map before you can tackle this final error, even though you are kind of probably equipped to do so. So um yeah, you know, to a point, Jay, that you talked about earlier about, you know, lowering um the threat of certain you know locations and you know that would be mm. you know going up you know the balloons and unlocking map points but you know there'll be scarecrows which are basically little watchtowers you can to take down. Um you get something a currency called scrap well, the game's currency is called scrap, which uh, can be used to for upgrades for your car, equipment, um, etc. You get that by raiding camps and taking down these big top dog uh, enemies and shutting off oil pumps, etc. So basically doing the busy work of the game, the actual gameplay. Um, do we think... I like, I'm always loath to talk about the Nemesis system. One game has done it, and obviously it was great for that game. Um, but I'm not blind to the world to understand actually some of the criticisms about this being quite an old-fashioned game design that isn't actually true. I mean, that is true. It, it does feel quite old mm. in the way that they, they hold back content. For me, I never found it an issue because I think in my head, I always felt like I was going to be completing every single little stronghold, element, camp. So actually, you know, I never hit that wall because I was already, you know, deeply uh, engaged in my insane kind of head where I was thinking, yeah, no, I'm going to do everything on this map, even though there's 15,000 things to do. Yep, I'm definitely going to spend 100 hours. So I never hit that 15, you know, 12 to 15 hour wall. Um, how about uh, Mark, you in particular, did, did you come across that? Or, or like me, where was it not really an issue? Yeah, I could sense I could sense that they were, you know, that the game would obstruct me had I tried to keep going. But I I did, um, for, for the most part, you know, the game offers tons of different things to do. For the most part, I found them to be 
enjoyable enough that I was never really hitting any walls because that's kind of just how I play these open world games anyways, where, you know, if you give me 12 icons on a map and one of them's the main story mission, I'm going to do the 11 others first and then I'm going to go do that one. Yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe towards the end, just because I was reviewing it at the time and this game actually took me a while to play through, um, but but not 12 to 15 hours in, but uh, you know, maybe towards the end I was like, okay, I need to... I need to get on and see the ending of this because I don't, you know, especially with a story-driven game, you can't really review it until you've seen it through the end. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I never really hit the walls shorter than, you know, preceding like the first like 30 hours or so maybe. It, it was just, for the most part, it was fun for me. I see, you know, if if Mad Max has any great fault, it's that it maybe adheres too closely to that uh, open-world design that everyone else who's come before it told it how to be. And it didn't try to push that envelope too much. But then again, you know, it, on top of that, it still adds the car combat, which is pretty unique. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, besides the terrible carriages in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, you don't, there's no car combat in, in these other like open world games that, that give you a bunch of things to do. <laughs> like, so th- I thought that that was its own wrinkle and everything else, you know, it is sort of just a, a map full of clutter, but I found a lot of that clutter enough to be, or enjoyable enough that, it never really i was never slowed down by it yeah i'd i'd agree with that um i think i like i i can't get on with a lot of uh ubisoft stuff because i see the map and all the icons and i i just usually i just totally switch off and i nearly did that with this um because i um initially did start to feel a bit overwhelmed but once you start just picking away at a few of the those little icons on the map and you're just like actually this is all pretty enjoyable this is is okay this is like it doesn't just feel like busy work most of the time um i i didn't get on with the clearing the minefields i thought that was really tedious Um, i just did that last night actually (laughs) i finally finished that one i i found them a chore to begin with but i do like the way Mm. they implemented that with the dog Mm. like i like the way that you have to that, that that works as a mechanic follow it's yeah. like you know yeah. I, I kind of yeah but you, they were like particularly finding them was a pain <laughs> like you yeah. know having to sort of drive around and then you know usually i would drive through it and find out because it would blow me <laughs> up and i was oh that's where that missing my field well, you was. have to be in right. a special vehicle don't you to detect them in the first place unless you yeah so you, have to, yeah, yeah, dog, so you always yeah. have to go back to a settlement and get the vehicle i think because I, <laughs> I think one of the reasons i didn't even try to do one of the minefields for a long time was just like it was like oh yeah the dog will help you detect the mines i was like please tell me you don't just like set the dog loose but no so I, I found them a, a bit of a chore but uh, other than that yeah the the convoys um, are are really fun obviously um or at least i think so (laughs) not obviously maybe but yeah i kind of wish there were more of the convoys to be honest i mean i I, I love the way you would find the track and it would be a you know the dark and sort of tarmac stained road strip yeah you would know that that's a convoy route and it was just like oh i'm just gonna wait here and see how much well for me i would always i would always head down those those darkened tracks and and wonder Mm. am i catching up or is this like two two trains about to converge (laughs) yeah but but again as soon as you get within a certain distance you can see the dust cloud coming up from them so you know where they are and i love that sort of aspect as well like don't give me pointing arrows or something give me sort of like environmental pointers you know sort of and that sort of stuff so like dust clouds kicked up by vehicles was like i thought a really nice touch um yeah 
I mean, for myself, I, I, going back to the sort of the Mordor thing, I genuinely think that it would have fit like a glove in this Mad Max game. Because I mean, you've got to wonder if it was supposed to be in here at some point, because it's the same publisher, Shadows of yeah. Mordor, and with a lot of those top dogs all being kind of faceless and interchangeable, yeah. you have to kind of wonder if the them system system was meant to be in this. Like it maybe even if you didn't have all these kind of like Gutgash and Pink Eye, if these were like mm-hmm. part of the Nemesis system and you could then structure mm-hmm. who you got in charge and whether they'd be, you know, on your side yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, you can you can think like that would have and I, I do believe if they put that in or implemented some form of that system in this game, it would have really elevated it in terms of the sort of drawing you into the game itself. Even if, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing is busy work, there's a there's a there's an extra level of a sort of immersion in, in in regards to how the game is evolving around you as you play it. I think one of the, the weird things of this game, and this happens on a lot of games, I think s- sometimes the, the fact that you can level up max and you can level up your car um, mm. leads to the place where I, I found the start of the game to be quite hard and intimidating. I found myself being killed a number of times, you know, mm. one out yeah. of lack of experience, two just, you know, not a lot of health, not a lot of water, not a lot of food, um, finding myself down on all those things. And and I spent a lot of time in the, the GT area just doing everything to have a stronghold where I could go back to and somebody automatically fill up my bottle and fill up my, you know, yeah. my ammo pouch and stuff like that. So I had, you know, there was, there was, you know, a good 10 hours of the game where I was like, man, I have no, am- literally no ammo here. I can't do anything. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> if I get hit, I have very little water and I'd be finding that, you know, the water fountains in the environment desperate and actually going, Oh, great. I found one and using them. And that's when the, the maybe the, the game felt, at its most immersive mm. i think beyond that kind of 12 15 you know for me that kind of 20 hour point i found like max become the you know like they do in many games he became this like immortal soul himself i suddenly had a car that could yeah. do just about to end anything to any other car around me uh, once i got the fund of whom just like leveled up to the point where it's like well that's not really an issue now <laughs> um and Max himself, like once you've you spent all your scrapped and you've got all your abilities and you've done your feats and stuff, and he becomes, you know, somewhat of a god himself. Yeah, you, know, you can take a whole bunch of damage. You can you've got a shotgun that does huge amounts of damage to them. Um, I'd found myself like just wandering into encampments and laying waste like it was just, you know, they were candy. And it was this is I mean, it's fun for a while, but eventually it's like it it starts to grind a little bit because you're like, well, it's not yeah. really a challenge now. Um, yeah, okay, this top dog base will have a five star rating. Maybe I need to be a little cautious and and kind of snipe from a, from the outside of the camp um and kind of do do my you know, little bit of, of work beforehand before going in. But a lot of the bases just felt, you know, it was very much rinse repeat. Luckily for me, I like that rinse repeat. I yes, the combat is Arkham, you know, the Arkham combat, but then <laughs> so many other games are the Arkham Combat and you could you could argue <laughs> okay it's 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 borrowing from many and having no great ideas of its its own but it, it's borrowing it from maybe the right places like yeah the Arkham Combat is good mm. combat and it and it works well here it doesn't really feel like it's glitchy at all it's just really nice and solid um you can shiv people and yeah, that's always fun it, it's quite it's quite visceral and violent at times um when it needs to be um and I like the exploration of the camps you know be it as we said earlier, you know, a small little camp that's just in the middle of nowhere that's a sofa or a huge base that seemingly could take, you know, the best part of half an hour, 40 minutes of just 
taking people down, trying to find the emblems around, trying to find all the little scrap and things you need and, and, you know, find other cars inside that you can take back to your base, whatnot. And yeah, just the, the general flow of those set pieces, I think worked as well as it needed to. I think it could have been improved. I think the nemesis system probably would work perfectly, perfectly in this game because the game's quite loose around it in its, in its structure. Mm. So yeah, mm. it would have fitted nicely, but I always feel, also feel like maybe it's just a little bit too soon for that to be in this and, and maybe you know <laughs> they're a little bit shy about using mm. it from one you know one you know everyone tells me like oh the nemesis system is going to be used in every game and all of a sudden it's been a nun since <laughs> um it's obviously <laughs> I, I think i think what probably happened is that shadows of mordor 2 got green lit and then they're like right well you're not having yeah that and it, it must be really pretty <laughs> yeah. difficult to implement and yeah yeah maybe it just yeah it, it couldn't be implemented here but it, you know I don't necessarily think that's a fault of the game itself. I think it's, as every open world mm. game I've ever played, when you get involved in doing more than just a story busy work, it can feel at times a bit like a chore and it's up to the game to kind of sell that to you. And for me, I've come off mm. many a game where I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with just seeing the main story, but actually Mad Max, it, I just, that, that rhythm is enough for me. And I think a lot of it is to do with the car combat, which we'll talk about in a little while, but mm. that rhythm for me of getting from A to B going into a base, taking down the base, moving back out, going back to camp, kind of, you know, you know, sorting out my equipment, selling my money, going back out again, back on the road, you know, looking for one particular place, moving over there, you know, bringing down the fret level, be it just through pulling down scarecrows and whatnot. Um, is a, was a good enough beat for me to continue on. You know, I'm, I'm best part of 50 hours in. I mean, Jay's mm. on a hundred hours. Mark's done th- probably a hundred hours himself and Sean, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a number of hours in as well so you know it's it's clearly hmm. once it gets under your skin it's it's there i was gonna say i was glad you mentioned the 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 strange shift from being sort of woefully underpowered to being immortal later on because um it's strange like i i understand why it progresses the way it does because i do think you know a a 50 hour game where you basically never have any ammunition would probably get a bit frustrating but but also surely a mad max game should involve a scarcity mm. of resources where whereas as you say after that 10 hour mark you know you, you've got the the ammo table at, at jeet's place and suddenly you just always have shotgun ammo whereas you know those first 10 hours where you don't have that and you're constantly struggling for shotgun shells that's a thing that happens in the films yeah. <laughs> because yeah. surprise there aren't many <laughs> shotgun shells uh, left um and you know, and like the fuel, you can apparently you can run out of fuel. Can I you? never even no. got halfway yeah. through the tank. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it seems strange that they sort of put these things in and then sort of bottled it. I think because I think they they realised that you know not having enough of things would certainly make it a convincing Mad Max game. I just don't think it would have been a very fun one after a while. I think you know? yeah, it's it's there's a very difficult balance to strike with that stuff because I do feel that mm-hmm. the best encampments that i took out there's there's a particular one that's like built over a canyon and you have to go across like an aircraft uh, plane mm-hmm. wing mm-hmm. in part of it and yeah, it's yeah. like this incredible base you go through it but it's it's packed full of of like war boys and stuff and the first time you hit that you know you i'm i wasn't powered enough to just run through it so every every step was like cautious and every time i came across one of those wrecks of the um oh, like the spears with the explosive at the end you know the little 
bomb attached to it. You know, the fire, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, yeah, I would use those and I'd go forward, throw them at a couple of guys, then run back and keep and keep replacing it because they would just be infinite, wouldn't they? So you could just keep going back again. <laughs> yeah. So I would literally try and draw them out to me while I've got this. And it was things like that that I, I enjoy that element to it. But then later on in the game, you know, as you get to the point where you've got like 12 shotgun rounds and stuff like that, you know, mm. I've got how many, what is it, like six shivs. You know, you can literally just steamroller through these guys at once. You know, you've powered up your own mm. uh, perks, like, you know, parrying and stuff like that. And so basically nobody's ever hitting you. And it was just like, I wouldn't say that it got boring, but it was more fun when there was a challenge, when there was that sort of element of danger attached to it, where you think, if I get overwhelmed here, I'm in trouble. And so you're constantly Yeah, sort and you of, have to improvise yeah. a bit. And and the tools are pretty much always yeah. there to allow you to do oh, that. Oh, yeah, like so the fuel tanks lying around yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. you know, but I, I again, like, I love carrying one of those jerry cans and setting it alight and throwing it in amongst oh, a whole yeah. bunch of them. It a lot. And it's just like, yeah, it's something quite satisfying about that as well. But I love the the mm. visceralness about the, the hand-to-hand combat. It, it's, it's, you know, the, yeah. the, although it borrows like from the likes of Arkham games on a far simpler level, it's really satisfying when, you know, the sort of the, the proper hefty sort of smacks and the crunch and the sound and the audio, you know, mm. and it's really brutal as well. I mean, probably more brutal than the films are, to be honest, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, in itself. And, and it, part of it's just the animation and the sound work. But it, again, it, it proved to be quite satisfying when, you, you know, you jump into a bunch of six guys and they're coming in from every angle and stuff. Yeah, it's just the the weight of it, mm. and like Max just like feels knackered. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no finesse about is. it. It's like, so like you know, it's not like some kind of martial artist. Yeah. He's literally smashing this guy's head into a wall. You know, <laughs> just just bludgeoning yeah. the hell out of him. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and like if you do that that drop kick, which you know, in in any kind of real fight is a terrible idea because it means you know you you're on the floor, <laughs> and, and you know if you mess it up, it's it's just not going to end well for you. And like. And yeah, and he does this drop kick, and he just like he's on the floor for just like a split <laughs> second too long, and you're just like, oh, he's not getting up. <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's at it. Um, and there's just tons of little moments like that where it's like he's he's put too much into this, mm. and he's he's not got a lot left. Which when you you know compared to the sort of endless grace of you know the Arkham yeah. games or Assassin's Creed game or Sleeping Dogs, where it's just zipping around um, destroying people, it's yeah, it just. Mm. Oh, it works. I I had a, um, another take on the Nemesis system, maybe working in here. I, I mm. thought um, so. Like when I, when I first reviewed it, I uh, I I was I kind of aligned myself with a lot of the people who who you know if we're gonna put a number on it, we're in like the the seven mid mid seven range, mm. um, which was the consensus opinion. And then, like I said, that was on PS4. I mainly play on Xbox. So the year in between. Um, I was just thinking about it a lot and I knew I'd go back and get the achievements for it with it being a multi-platform game that I hadn't yet played on Xbox anyways. And then by the time I'd replayed on Xbox, I loved it a lot more. And I felt like maybe even my own review, uh, along with all the others, were too harsh on it for for kind of like what I said before, only doing things that you know, pretty much every other sandbox game does as well. And... I I just wonder if you implemented the Nemesis system into Mad Max, would that, in the eyes of some, have just been another knock on the game? You know, like uh, maybe that's such a, a negative take to to have. But I just wonder if, if, or I even kind of feel like it, it might have been the case that uh, 
some people would have just looked at it and said, oh, they've, they've, they've taken it right out of Mordor. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it works though. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah, there's no good ideas left, right? I mean, <laughs> there's there's so many games are like so many games. And, I, you know, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to, to just, you know, single out Mad Max and say, look, this is this is the problem with gaming. It does everything we've seen before. It's like, yeah, but it, it also has a style of its own, uh, you know, has a feel of its own, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's not those games. It's, it's, it's Mad Max. It's kind of, it makes its own world and it has a set of its own rules as well. You're only taking the base sort of element of that nemesis system, you know, and, and in, in fairness, you know, Mordor's level map level design, in my opinion, I, I felt that Mordor wasn't as interesting a map as Mad Max's is. is. Uh, mm. But I feel, you know, like cross-pollinating ideas between games, like Sean said, it's the same publisher, you know, and it's not the same developer, mm. but you, so, uh, you know, maybe there's there's other reasons why, but I do think it would have benefited from it, but, you know, but yeah, Mark's right, it might have been just another cause for criticism <laughs> from but some it, people. But it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it, it's not hard to imagine people being like, I, you know, it's good, but if it wasn't for the Nemesis system, it would just be dead average. Forgetting that that's basically the case for Shadows of Mordor as well, <laughs> you know. It's not, it's not uh, like, it's a it's a very but, good game and the Nemesis system really elevates it, but if it wasn't for that, I don't think anyone mm. would have given it a second look. You to, know? to that point, I mean, I remember back... Um, when this game was, you know, just upon release, and yeah, you know, the, the scores were out there. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say seven's a bad score because I think seven's a, a perfectly fine score. And mm-hmm. actually, I understand where sevens are. Go on, go on, Mark. Well, just real quick, I wanted to say I didn't, I didn't want you guys to think that I, you know, I, I think I gave this game like, um, it was kind of the way he, this guy did it that I reviewed for. He kind of um, averaged out everything else individually. So I think it ended up like a seven point seven or something like that. And I'm not insinuating that that's a bad score. I just mean yeah, but in I the written text. I don't even think mm. that's the wrong score for this game. It's like I'm, yeah, I'm no, conflicted that's, that's with, say. with my feelings. So like I'm I'm happy to say, okay, this game's a seven out of mm-hmm. ten. But equally some of the yeah. best games I've ever played are seven out of ten. So it just it yep. just means yeah. they've got elements which I can hold my hands up and say, yeah could it be more graceful in the way that it implements its world structure? Oh, for sure. So it's not going to get 10 out of 10 in, in yeah. that department. Would it be better of a Nemesis system? Maybe. And then it maybe would have gotten an 8 out of 10. But, but there's elements of the game that I think it does better than most. So, and my time with it is one of those things where, you know, I can think back of many open world games that I've played. And this one keeps coming back to me. And I, and I think at the time, that's why I was interested in this game. Because there was a lot of people talking about the reviews and a lot of people kind of bad mouthing the game at the time because seven out of 10 is generally regarded as a, you know, a poorish score. <laughs> and everybody that I knew had brought it, you know, because they were excited about it, maybe just from the, the Fury Raid Road hype, wouldn't stop talking about it. Just would not stop talking about it. Would be, oh man, it's like, I love the environment. Oh, and you know, I'm doing this and you should see the car combat and you should... And yes, there were some other people in some fellow podcasters that I absolutely believe in their opinions uh, more so than the number of you know review sites. And the general conversation was actually it's a lot better than the reviews would allow you to believe. And I and I think there's a mixture of that. I think the reviews are you know some of the criticisms are spot on, but I I do fall in that encampment when I'm playing Mad Max. I'm having a really good time with it. Um, and it doesn't always have to be like this is cutting edge. This this is you know pushing gaming forward sometimes just being a good fun game is enough and i think mad max is one of those ones that just falls into to that category that would be really good as a, uh, a summary at the end so um <laughs> i might utilize <laughs> that um 
So one of the things, you know, we get on for time. So one of the things we haven't actually talked about is the car combat itself, which let's face it, you're probably going to spend about 70% of the game doing. <laughs> so beyond the, you know, the beautiful vistas and the, and the wafer thin story and you know, the fairly decent combat, the car combat's really fun. Um, mm. I fall either side of car combat. I've played many of it in many games and sometimes they go over the top where they need you like the proper ramming abilities where like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of what's that one with Vin Diesel. <laughs> Wheelman. Wheelman. There yeah. we go. Wheelman, where you, you, you have the ability to shunt your car left and right and you know push people off the road. Probably too far the wrong way. Um, this the cars always feel hefty. I like the fact they got spikes and elements on them that you know there are they are war machines. Some are you know, more useful than the others, but your your Magnus is the one that you're going to spend the most time in. And you know the upgrade path of that vehicle is is fun um, and entertaining. Mm. Um, I was told quite early on that ignore a lot of the the border spikes and the sniper rifle and the, all that stuff and concentrate your your money and your time into the harpoon and thunderpoon gun, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, because they eventually become completely overpower powerful weapons. Harpoon <laughs> always fun. Um, pulling mm-hmm. the wheels off cars that previously had been an absolute nightmare, chasing me down, you know, leaving me almost stranded for dead, you know, having to jump out their way as my car's being being fixed in the background. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I get a harpoon gun where I can pull tires off and, you know, just seeing them just come to a grinding halt and me picking them off by circling around them, just ramming into the side doors. And then eventually the bigger upgrade of the Thunderpoon, which is yeah, the equivalent of a rocket launcher off the back of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and firing in down onto people, you know, it makes convoys you know, which have been pre- previously very hard to to master and take down. The convoys actually, for me, remind me very much of um, the stuff in Fury Road. So it's that it's definitely mm. that tick box of I wish there was more of the fun yeah. car combat stuff where they they're chasing you down like the odds weren't were stacked against you. But they save it mm. for very much the convoys um, are just you know tracked paths where they'll go round and round in circles. It takes them about ten minutes to do their circle, but essentially they're on the same track path, and you you need to locate them. It's got a uh, you know, I guess a war machine at the front that needs protecting um, by their point of view, and they'll ram you off the road. But once again, you get overpowered; and it becomes not really an issue towards the back end of the game, but certainly fun at the the front end of the end of the game. But I really like the car combat. I think it's it's fun. I think the yeah, the cars are the cars fun to drive around. It's it's always good the boosting across the the mountain skies. So uh, how about you guys? Yeah, I thought it was. Um, so the the combat itself, I think, is is really really well done. Um, like you said, towards the end, well, just like with Max on foot, towards the end, the car can get pretty overpowered if if you've been unlocking things and um, upgrading them as as you should. Uh, the one part of the cars at all and the driving that I had problems with were more in the races or sometimes even just just general driving where you could hit a rock the wrong way or maybe go up a, a slope the wrong yeah. way and and the way your car responded to it just didn't make sense physically um and I, I think they mm. I think they deliberately made this game so that you you can't flip the car I've never flipped any of the cars in the game um, I'm pretty sure it's impossible but mm. and it seems like as a result of mm-hmm. them trying to work out the physics so you always land on your wheels sometimes <laughs> you just don't react the right way to like the terrain that you're driving on you know like or in those barrel run races sometimes you'll you would collide with the red barrel as like a sort of checkpoint but it would i don't know about you guys but it it would they would often like send me Flip flying you. yeah that yeah, was 
Okay. Deceleration into them. I always found <laughs> the best route. <laughs> but yeah, the the um, car combat is is the wrinkle that this game adds. If, if it is too similar to every other sandbox that preceded it, and probably even some more that have followed it, um, I think the the car combat at least stands out as something that this game does. You know, maybe even arguably exclusively, or at, at least really, really well. And you know, you, you, Batman, you now have the Batmobile on the last one. If you're going to compare it to that one, which which is fair, they they do have a lot of that shared DNA. Um, but it's I don't know, just it's so even not having seen the movies, it's so important to the Mad Max lore and universe. You know, this dude's like obsessed with his vehicle that it was it was very important that they nailed that. And at least in my opinion, I, I think they really did. I think the the only trick that they missed was that so much of the, you know, the good car combat bits in the films involves like, you know, while all these vehicles are on the move, people getting out of them and transferring between mm-hmm. vehicles and having punch-ups and, you know, climbing around the vehicles and stuff. And there's just mm-hmm. none of that in the game. And I understand why, because I'm sure that, you know, on a technical level, it'd be a total nightmare. And um, so I, I get it, um, but it just would have been really good. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> purposely left off there. my um, anti-boarding spikes because I liked it when somebody jumped onto the car <laughs> and I could use the shotgun and yeah. just blast them straight through the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it felt it felt like more, I guess, closer to the way that the film stuff worked. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, you're trying to get in, have have uh, you know, two barrels of my shotgun, mate. Yeah, yeah and just, those moments make it, a great photo <laughs> too. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Like I also really like, I mean, it's it's kind of different, but yeah, I really liked, um, so, you know, like if you have to get out of your vehicle and then, you know, the enemies will just be like mm. circling around you, beeping their horns, and then one of them will come at you and you have that opportunity to like dive out of the way and then pull out the shotgun and shoot yeah. the, the gas yeah. tank as they pass you. That's amazing when you pull that off. Right, let's um, let's tackle a little bit of the forum feedback before um, delivering the free word reviews and summaries. So, uh, Mascat said... Mad Max was arguably one of the biggest sleepers of 2015, especially with Avalanche releasing Just Cause 3 months later. With more hyped competition and overall opinion on quality of licensed games, no one expected Mad Max to be mediocre at best. I'll start with saying that in some aspects, Mad Max is still very much a typical mediocre game. For example, on foot combat is very standard copy of Batman-like encounters mechanics. Also, the open world is filled with a bunch of chores, towers to climb in fauna balloons. So there's a lot of familiar things that don't try to excel in any way. But there are some things that make this game stand out in the end. First of all, the vehicle combat is really great. And this coming out, from the person that doesn't really play racing games at all. Your car moves very smoothly, everything is well animated and its response is in the way that it should feel. Ramming your opponent, shooting drivers through the a window or trying to rip away their armour or wheels feels very satisfying and the combat tempo is really great. Story was also good. It's not Citizen Kane, <laughs> but voice acting, especially uh, Chum Bucket, is really good and the characters were interesting enough to keep me going. There's one more thing. That photo mode is just amazing. It's so powerful. You basically pause the game at any point and then you can rotate, zoom in, out, place filters on basically any scene you can imagine. I wish all games had this feature. Uh, So do I. (laughs) All right, so Deacon 05OC. Mad Max is a gem of an open world. Not just open world games, but its vastness and emptiness. It is one of the best video games that I've inhabited. In 2015, I was a newcomer to Mad Max. 
I'd never seen any of George Miller's films and really wanted to see Fury Road. I did, and I loved it. Not just the movie, but the universe Miller created. So I was excited to hear that a game was being developed. Here was my chance to play in the world. There was one problem though. The game was to be released the same day as Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. I easily picked the Kojima game as I knew I wanted to complete the Metal Gear saga. The Wasteland would have to wait. I ended up regretting this as MGS5 wasn't what I expected it to be. I finally got Mad Max on Black Friday 2016 and have finally been able to participate in this visually stunning world. I love exploring structures and locations to find history relics of the past. Seeing something like a simple note saying phones have been down or a photo explaining to a person who somebody in their family is explains so much with so little. Driving across the sea to see the remains of a cruise ship is quite the spectacle. The creative team did a fantastic job with environmental storytelling. The game's plot didn't really matter to me. The story of the world was more important and I find that unique. There may be four Mad Max films, but as I played the game, I imagined I was playing Mad Max in more movies as I helped the various strongholds clear the threats around them. Since there are so many ways of completing these objects, it never felt repetitive to me. I know I won't complete 100% of an open world game, but I'm still working on this. The last time I wanted to finish things in an open world was Assassin's Creed 2. Mad Max isn't the best game of its kind, but I feel it's a special game that makes up for pretty standard gameplay mechanics by making you forget they are there. You focus on helping people like, like the Road Warrior and surviving in a hostile world while you seek the Plains of Silence. All right, Deadpool Negative uh, says, Mad Max has always been one of my favourite franchises. I remember renting Beyond Thunderdome first because it was PG-13 and being thrilled <laughs> by it, but then being amazed years later when I finally saw the Road Warrior. I've always been impressed with the visceral experience George Miller puts on screen using practical effects. I like the movie so much, I even bought the NES Mad Max. That game was, <laughs> well, let's just say their take on The Interceptor was nice looking for its time. Uh, 25 years later, Avalanche Studios has brought us their own take on Mad Max. While I can't say I'm a huge fan of the Just Cause series, I do get a kick out of their ambition and the many ways the player can scramble across the map causing chaos, but it's a game series that always comes shy of being really fantastic. Chaos is not the order of the day in Mad Max. The world has already been destroyed and flattened by war and environmental disaster. Avalanche took to heart the bleak outlook of the films and set out to create a world just as vast as the playgrounds of Rico Rodriguez, but its vastness is intimidating, alienating, yet at times also beautiful. The world of the Mad Max game is almost oppressively bleak, probably the bleakest entry in the franchise since the original film. The relic collectible photographs telling bits and bobs of the collapse of civilization at different points in time is effective, but it can also be a bit much. The very act of driving around the world looking for small signs of life and settlement with only the madman chum bucket to keep you company gave me a strange, isolated feeling. If we're simply judging on mood, Avalanche really knocks it out of the park. However, Mad Max fails into many common traps that have befallen open world games in recent years. In terms of how the world is structured, it feels a lot more like an Assassin's Creed game than Just Cause. Our hero drives around looking for waypoints to reveal more things to go to on the map. Instead of sink points in this game, we have the hot air balloons. And like Assassin's Creed, we can invest in structures for greater benefits, in this case the outposts. But also like an Assassin's Creed game, there is little motivation to do the side missions outside of those necessary to progressing the story. Yes, you can build up outposts to fix and fuel your car and replenish your health and earn scrap, but you only really need to build up one of these outposts and that will be enough to get you through the game. 
There are some effective side missions, and just as, but just as many that feel like busy work. Eventually, like a weaker Assassin's Creed game, the points on the map all blur into a glob of stuff you have to do, but only if you feel like it. So why are they there? Combat is one of the better aspects of the game, though not perfect. I appreciated the Arkham-style combat and how I had to be very patient with timing my strikes and counters, though multiple counters was something I never quite got the hang of. I love the kickback of the shotgun attack and the amazing crunch of the weaponry and fury attacks. It can be extremely satisfying. Car combat was even better, though there didn't seem to be quite enough of it. Once you get the hang of the harpoon, yanking off the side door of an opposing vehicle, then yanking out the driver is immensely satisfying, as is using it when assaulting strongholds. The sniper battles can be surprisingly tense too. It may sound like I'm down on Mad Max, and while I was playing it to write this post, I did feel myself alternately thrilled and annoyed. But I think in the end I was more thrilled than annoyed, and, spent, and since I've spent over 32 hours with good old Chum Bucket. I think that's the issue. There's so much that's good in the Mad Max game and so much that's tiring. I can see just maybe a few more months in development or some tighter editing and we could have had a truly great open world experience. In any case, however, I do recommend it with reservations. So the third drawing said, I don't play a ton of open world games like this, but I found this on sale two weeks after it was out and thought, why not? Mad Max is a quintessential B game. It's not as stylish as a blockbuster game. It's not as polished as AAA games, but it does what it does well. The fighting mechanics are solid, the driving is fun, and it's very pretty. However, I did get hit by the map glitch, which was frustrating. There were a couple of races I found infuriating, and the last boss was a tad too easy for my taste. Despite those hiccups, I genuinely enjoyed my time with it. It's a bit of an unpolished gem. There's real potential in this series with a sequel, and I'd rather play that than another Assassin's Creed. Uh, this is something I was talking with Mark about. Um, you were saying you come across a number of bugs in the game. Yeah. Um, I haven't come across any so um so far but yeah, i didn't find any so i yeah. there were i feel like you there's no way you guys didn't um come across some audio bugs right or or did you get out free of those as well pretty much <laughs> maybe no, just come to I came across one quite, where yeah, down the line. there was some um, a sandstorm sound effect was still going on even though the sandstorm wasn't around and i was getting the kind of roar that you get when that mm, happens so- that's the only one that I can remember. Well, for so yeah, I do want to talk about the map glitch, but as in terms of the the audio problems were that were the major issue that I had. Where, um, you know, whether I played it for my review two years ago or even just as recently as last night, um, occasionally the audio would check out on me. Uh, like sometimes coming back from a pause menu, that would happen. Other times, uh, it seemed like you know a massive explosion might also like somehow break the sound in the game and certain like suddenly like i couldn't hear driving Mm. i could only hear the ambient noise of the world around me um so that stuff happened kind of frequently and even when i was rewatching the final few cutscenes, they had the same audio issues that i had where things were just a a bit out of sync like when you pull the sort of uh, helmet thing out of scrotus's head and he's finally dead for me that was the sound came before the visual and in the youtube video that i watched that happened there as well um but okay, yeah, I mean, maybe that's... So, it's, yeah, I don't know, it's weird to me that you guys didn't encounter any of those when I did on, like, basically two and a half mm. playthroughs. But um, <laughs> it, uh, somehow it's just me. But uh, so for the map glitch, um, what this person's referring to is this probably the same thing that I encountered where for some people, seemingly a lot, um, according to my Google results when I was frustrated with it, uh, one of the settlements in Pink Eyes territory, it's, it's just to the left of of gas town obviously on the outside of the gas town walls um 
it tells you to destroy seven oil rigs, but after you, even when you destroy all seven, the game only registers that you've destroyed six of them. But there's, and there's not another one you can destroy, and there's there's just no way to fix it. And I don't know at what point does a a, a playthrough become doomed if it's right away, or you know if there are certain things you could do <laughs> before that point. But it's it's really unfortunate for anybody who's mm. like a completionist or an achievement or trophy hunter, because there's a lot of achievements that sort of fall under getting all those settlements. Like with without all those, do everything. Yeah. yeah, like I think there's like five or six that are now basically unobtainable. For that playthrough of mine that I that I can't mm. unlock because I can't do all the settlements, so I can't get the last V8 engine, so I can't win some race. Like it's it's just cascading issues just from this one mm. settlement being glitched. And um, mm. so if you if you know, Jay, I think you said you hundred percented it. Yeah. So on my first playthrough, now it's it wasn't so much of a glitch, but what I would do is you know you've got those scrotus symbols to to smash mm-hmm. on each of the sort of little encampments. Yeah. Well, there's there's one particularly big camp that's on a bridge and you have to go from one end to the other. Now, I was scanning this out with the sniper rifle and saw one of these symbols that I could see through the rifle. So I shot it and it never registered. And so when I went through, it was gone, but it was always at like 95% complete on that camp. And that stuffed my, as you said, it, it leads to a point where it kind of prevents you from doing other things or getting trophies mm-hmm. or achievements because you you haven't done that. And so I made sure that on my second playthrough, I did not shoot anything other than <laughs> war criers from a distance. <laughs> so it was just a point of making sure that I didn't fall into that trap again. So, I mean, things like that, they can be, uh, especially with a game that potentially you could be putting in you know, 40, 50 hours easily on if you're if you're going after a full completion. When I say 100%ed it, I 100%ed all the camps. I got all the scrap. I got all the the unlocks and all that. The only thing that I, I think I'm 81% on the trophies. The only ones that I've not bothered with are the races because I hate them. Oh, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> and finding all because it's silly trophies like win a race with every archangel, and it's like I can't even begin to think how boring that would be to, to do that so i'm not even gonna bother but um, racing is not great is it no i don't like the racing at all i did the one race with crow dazzle to, because you have to as part of the story and beyond that it's like yes yeah, stuff off mate I'm, I'm not bothered about the rest of it fair enough yep oh that's cool um so chopper said while recognizing that the actual gameplay could be pedestrian at times, I really enjoyed Mad Max. With all these modern cookie cutter open worlds, towers, strongholds, mini games, maps, icons, etc., I was struck by the thought that the environmental artists are now the stars of the show. Mad Max really nailed the feel of the franchise, and the detailed and beautiful world was fantastic. And finally, Jakob42. Mad Max may be the perfect podcast game. The concept of this is worth a discussion in its own right. Is a game truly good if you prefer to play it with the people blabbering on in the background? But personally, when I really want to just zone out for a while, podcasts and games are my go-to. The game doesn't have a lot of depth. Uh, This wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I enjoyed punching my 700 baddie as much as I enjoyed punching my first, but was doing so with essentially the same skills each time. There's not the flexibility of the Arkham games here, so even though things like shotgun and shivs are fun, I still essentially clobbered my way through most fights. I'm sure other people will have more to say on the driving. 
I'll just say that switching to first person and taking on a caravan was almost as thrilling as it was inconvenient. Mad Max isn't an important game. It won't go down in the annals of history or be remembered for any particularly revolutionary mechanics or innovations. What it is, is just some pure distilled fun. Mad Max is a simple man and his world doesn't need the complexity to feel interesting. Plus, if he had an option to listen to Sound of Play while still hiding around the dunes, I'm sure he would. <laughs> nice. <laughs> exactly. And how are we to argue with that? <laughs> um, right, let's uh, finish off with some free word reviews. Um, Jay, if you could go first. Adders Black, 39. Licensed done properly. Nick Atkins says sodding gas town race. <laughs> sorry, I am gonna. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna that that. F- right. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> but that that highlights just how much that, that race. I I had to stop midpoint of my first playthrough because I couldn't beat that that sodding race. I just couldn't get him. And it drove me to my, it drove, I, I had to YouTube it, which is like, why am I YouTubing? It's just straightforward. But then I stripped the car back because I was like fully armored, fully maxed up on every bit of armor. And I couldn't catch up to him. He left me for dust. And then it was just like, strip it down. First time went on everything, just really down to basics. And I took him out first time. I was like kicking myself afterwards. But anyway. Jeremy Greer said, return to Gamefly. Glenn Watts. Beautiful smoking wrecks. No chorus. 60 forgettable hours. Jacob says, sand, blood, repeat. Rachel Dengate said, witness me, mediocre. Cisco and Ebert. Skip Thunderdome. Ninja Badger 7, mad, mediocre at max. Eric Jones, substance in emptiness. Chopper Kelly said, best explosions ever. Stan Shell, competent cookie cutter. Sean Stacko. Not mad enough. Mike Susky, gaming's prettiest sandstorms. Connor Hawks said, bone-crunching combat. Kurt Lewin, bloated and repetitive. And finally, Chopper, dog was underutilised. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say how unfair it was that Mark, who hasn't seen the films, got the one that was quoted <laughs> in the films? <laughs> yeah, I figured, I I figured that was something. I was like, I either don't remember that from the game or I've never seen it. <laughs> Right, so let's close out the uh, the show with our summary in thoughts. Um, Sean, your summary, please. So it is a seven out of ten, but it's it's one of those that somehow found its way into my head and ended up, uh, you know, I ended up spending far too much time with it. It's you know when when people talk about like you know this is one of the best seven out of tens <laughs> I've ever played. It's <laughs> it sits really comfortably in in that sort of B game category, as you know one of the forum comments mentioned. Um, and that's it's not a criticism it's just like there's a i don't know it's 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 not even that it feels low budget it's just it obviously was a bit of a side project for avalanche um but that's okay you know i'm i'm all right with it like it's there's a scrappiness to it that sort of fits with the the spirit of you know the majority of the films um even though you know you can tell it was developed, you know when, when it was developed, there's enough there visually that it's like they they probably got to see some early stuff of of Fury Road, even if they you know they didn't uh, you know get to see the whole thing, um, and yeah, like as a result, like you know it is a stunning game, um, and it's you know as I've said, it it does the thing where there's you know there's a map with way too many icons on it, but 
once you learn to just start chipping away at them <laughs> and like it just it is all enjoyable and it and it all contributes to you know getting better stuff um and although it is strange and kind of a shame that you know you do end up very overpowered in you know in a mad max game that seems sort of tonally inconsistent but um yeah i just i just enjoyed every second of it um like it you know once you sort of you find your own balance between switching between the side missions and the main story ones and the main story ones have obviously had a lot more attention um given to them and you know even within those main story missions there's there's all sort of like different um sort of approaches and sort of different tones that it takes you know some of it's like pure survival horror almost and then some's just you know driving the car around and everything exploding and you're just laughing the entire time um the the convoys are so much fun um even the what you know the attempts that fail and you end up just like you know with your face in the dirt <laughs> while everyone drives off yeah. and you just like it's so frustrating but it just again it just that struggle just feels very um mad max and and uh, yeah I, th- I think in terms of capturing the spirit of the films but in a video gamey way um i i do think they've nailed it like once you let go of um trying to figure out like where it might appear in the timeline or whatever like it's it seems to have been very specifically written to sort of it could come anywhere like it, it's totally self-contained um by the end you know when it it turns out hope and glory have been killed and and max is really mad again um it's like well of course how else was it going to end you know like <laughs> there was no other possible way for it to go and, and that's even though it's kind of a, a sad and abrupt ending i think it's you know it makes sense um yeah i'd, I'd really like it and <laughs> you know not just for the fact that i only paid about 12 pounds for it um like i i yeah i for someone who's often put off by sort of very bloated open world games i just found this was perfectly enjoyable to just slowly sort of chip away at uh mark yeah i I largely agree with with a lot of sean sean's points there um it is a seven out of ten for me as well and i i mean that as a compliment and you know maybe it's Mm -hmm. it brings up bigger questions about why we can't look at, at a seven out of ten game and call it something really fun and really good and i think i think that's what mad max is and we've sort of hit on what my main point was going to be throughout this show, which is I sort of liking it, liken it to this sort of the same group as Batman and shadow of Mordor. Those two, along with Mad Max are these three licensed property WB published games with a lot of shared DNA um, and lots of things to do in each of them and maps with a bunch of stuff to do in each of them. And like those like those other two, Mad Max doesn't get everything right, but it, but at the same time, it does get a lot of it right. Um, I think the settlements are really fun. The I actually like. It sounds like I might like the story more than anybody here. I I primarily play video games for story, and uh, it it was sort of a one note. And thinking about it last night when I revisited it in preparation for the show, I was like, hmm, I guess Max doesn't really grow at all does he because he you know he starts angry in his car and at the end he's gotten it back so he can return to being angry in his car and and you know in the in the middle <laughs> i guess is even is even a, a repeat because he just loses a, a woman and a daughter who are who are obvious analogs for his uh his deceased family but some something about the the final mm-hmm. act and the final 
maybe not, you know, not even a third, literally just like the final hour or two for me really clicked with me. And that's what wanted, that's what made me want to go back and play it again that second time, because for most of the game, it's adhering to like the general open world sandbox principles. And it's, it's, you know, if it's not cookie cutter, it's, it's only because the open world, I mean, the, the driving segments save it and that makes it stand out. Um, but then something about that last hour, I just really love, uh, you know, it's morbid, but when, when he loses hope and glory, um, figuratively and literally, I guess, uh, <laughs> <So bad. laughs> uh, it, 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 you know, as, or is it glory? That's the daughter or is that hope? I forget. I think that's glory, but, um, I guess I should know if I'm praising the story so highly, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, she dies in his arms and it immediately cuts away to this close up shot of him, like just revving. In, in whichever direction, he, you know, he doesn't even know wh- where he has to go yet. But he, at that point, he's so determined to just end Scrotus once and for all. And that part really got me, like, excited. And in that moment, having not seen any of the movies, I was like, I th- I think I should check these out. And, you know, maybe it's it's my own fault. I still haven't now two years later. But uh, just I, I, don't know, I just think it's really stylish. It, it does a lot well. It does more. It does way more well than it does poorly. And, you know, don't if you haven't played it yet. Well, sorry, it's now spoiled, but also don't uh, don't let seven out of ten, like draw you away from it. You know, that that can be and should be a compliment. And that's that's perfectly what Mad Max is, I think. Jay, um, I think Sean and Mark have pretty much covered all the bases, really. (laughs) Um, I'm just yeah, I think all all I'm going to add is uh, what a game. What a lovely game. I do know that one. <laughs> no, uh, I mean I I agree with all the points made. I, you know, it seems weird that in my head I know it's a seven out of ten game, and it feels wrong to call it anything other than that because of the you know the fairly well the issues we've talked about. There's no point going over them again. Um, but yeah, while I'm playing it, I I feel like it's more than that. I I think um you know there's a certain magic quality we talk about in gaming which is hard to describe and uh, some games have it some games are absolutely spectacular and don't have it um and I find that like, Mad Max is just one of those ones that, with an open world game where I'm not put off by the amount of icons on the map in fact I see it as little opportunities to have a little bit more fun um that's not true for everyone for sure but for me it it kind of gets under my skin a little bit you know I like seeing colors of the map slowly disappear into nice pastel colors and knowing that i'm moving forward i guess and you know this game does that very well i think um if anything can be taken that is original and i say that with a slight like yeah nothing's original but um you know i think the car combat is is really competent and um you know its open world is very well structured and laid out for that car combat to exist. I think the, the encampments are interesting and fun to take down. I just think, yeah, maybe it lacks an, an identity of its own, but it's um, still a fun game to play. And, I, you know, I, I've been surprised by putting this show together by the amount of negativity that I've come across about the game because generally everybody I've spoken to within my own kind of gaming circle kind of sees its flaws but actually you know have had a good fun and and, you know enjoyable time playing it and and most people have have sunk the best part of 40 to 50 hours into it and you know i'm not i'm not too sure any of us had that time just to waste if we're not enjoying something and so you know um Mm. i haven't done everything in the game and i'm I'm certainly feeling like I, i will continue to dip in over a long period of time just to see whether i can actually chip away at absolutely everything uh is it a classic no 
Um, but it's damn good fun. And sometimes I just want a good, fun blast of a game. Um, same with films. Sometimes it doesn't need to be the Citizen Kane, etc. It just needs to be a good, fun roller coaster. And I think uh, Mad Max ticks a certain box that many other, maybe uh, more regarded games haven't done in the past with me. Certainly in open world, I've kind of fallen off that quite heavily to kind of concentrate more on kind of focus story driven games which are more up my uh, alley but yeah mad max is is a good fun game for me right um mark as you're new to the show and people may have not heard you before do you would you like to promote anything here at the end um where can they be where can people find you yeah i'm on twitter at uh it's at not penny's boat and the o's are zeros it's the same as my gamer tag um and I write for trueachievements.com, which I know Tony's on a lot. I don't know if anybody else in the Canarins community is over there, but um, as a few of us, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I write over there. We actually just started a community, a monthly community event that um, shamelessly rips off Kane and Rents. So you guys can check that out. It's called um, TA Playlist. <laughs> it's a it's a podcast slash gaming club. Um, goes on once a month. You can jump on site uh, the fifteenth of every month. Um, and then for a week after that, we vote on which game we're going to play for the month ahead. So May is Darksiders, if you guys want to join us for that. and Or you know, come back in mid-May and you can vote for June's game if you're interested. Excellent. Is Mad Max on that list? <laughs> yeah, I, want, you know, I wanted to do Mad Max in a future episode. Um, and now I'm like, well, I've already kind of done it today. So maybe I'll never do, you know, what, what else could I say on my own show that I haven't said on this one today? <laughs> uh, so that just remains for me to say thank you uh, to Sean and Jay as well. Uh, and of course, all the correspondence and the feedback we get onto the show. Um, next time in issue 268, the team has a flashback. <laughs>